0: guys welcome to the j scott outdoors podcast i want to get right to this episode before we do i want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast I want to let you know the best way to reach out to me is probably an email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com or through my instagram account at j just send me a direct message I want to thank GoHunt.com. They are the title sponsor and have been since the inception of my podcast in 2015. You guys know Cody Nelson, my friend, the glassing guru, the optics authority there, the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you guys have any optics needs, any tripod, any glassing questions, you can reach out to Cody directly at you can text or call him that is his cell phone you can also reach him at 702-847-8747 you can email optics at gohunt.com make sure to always use whether ordering online or if you're calling and 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 call cody direct use the j scott promo code you're going to get a 10 percent discount um, also, you get a 10% discount at the Go Hunt Insider, which has incredible um, m- mapping now with the Go Hunt maps. Um, it also has amazing draw odds and strategy articles, uh, which is super important this spring going into application season. Go check it out um, gohunt.com uh, forward slash JSCOT. Uh, and if you use the JSCOT promo code, you're going to get a $50 Go Hunt. uh, gear shop gift card um, when you sign up um, just by using the J. Scott uh, promo code. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. I've been using um, Kuyu gear since 2010 um, when the company started. They're based out of California. Um, My late friend Jason Harrison was the founder of that company and um, since Jason's passing the company has just continued to push the bar of excellence and innovation. Uh, go to KUIU. that's kuiu.com um, you can order its a direct to consumer website. Um, they also have uh, a retail store in Dallas, Texas as well as the headquarters in Dixon California. go to dot kuiu.com to order. Uh, I also want to thank Phonescope.com, Cheston uh, and his guys over there at Phonescope, um, make the best digiscoping adapters for your binos or for your spotting scope, use the J. Scott 24 promo code and get a 10% discount on all orders. Guys, let's get right to this episode again, I appreciate you tuning in um, and God bless. Hey Jay, how's it going? Steve Chappell, how are you buddy? I'm great. How are you? Good. You um what kind of weather you got in Cortez? Oh,
1: it's beautiful today. Sunny. Probably going to be 50 degrees, so it's
0: perfect. Have you gotten much you have you gotten much weather this year yet this this last 2 months?
1: We've been getting some recent storms. You know, I was kind of worried for a while, but I'm feeling I'm feeling good about it now. Good. Yeah yeah kind of same for northern arizona it seems like
0: yeah um you know they're calling for uh el nino year which typically means you know we get those storms in late january february march april and if that's the case i mean i think it's gonna turn out to be a great year
1: yes absolutely
0: i'm thinking the same thing okay great to get a tag (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we've got the um, deadline coming up uh, next Tuesday and I wanted to get you on here. It's always great to talk to you about Arizona elk and um, I know your guide service. You you have an outstanding guide service here and you've been around for years and um, you've got a great way for people to apply with you as well and and save some money over time and um, works out pretty well. I want to talk to you about that. Before we get into that, uh, moisture-wise, like we were just talking, um, you know, in these El Nino years where potentially we have a wetter spring than normal, which is what they're calling for here in Arizona and, you know, obviously the Southwest, it's not just isolated to Arizona. What are your thoughts from a moisture standpoint going into this application period when we have to... You know, apply in February. but the reality is the main part of that moisture that we're looking at is going to be falling after the applications have already been put in. Kind of what are you thinking up until this point?
1: yeah, jay, i was I was a little concerned, you know, in November and December, um, because, like you say, we have to turn in those applications and hope for the best. Um, but these recent storms have really encouraged me. You know, I don't really feel like we need to have the kind of winter that we had last year. I mean, that was a once every 50 kind of fifty years kind of winter. Um, I just think good, normal moisture is, is great. And I've looked at the one-month and the three-month extended outlooks, and it looks like the entire southwest region is in normal moisture. And like you mentioned, we're in that El Nino pattern, which should serve us well to pick up some good moisture you know, during that critical time when the elk need that good green up to start growing their antlers for this year. So I think we're sitting real good right now.
0: How do you feel um, the antler growth was last year and or breakage and whatnot moving into this season? Are we sitting in a, you know, just normal position? Do you think we're sitting where, you know, some of the units and obviously it varies statewide and you your guide service covers statewide where do you think we are in in age class, and um, you know, running off of last year going into this year?
1: Yeah, we we didn't notice a lot of antler breakage last year, um, so I don't think that was abnormal at all. Which makes sense because they had a good moisture year to grow good, sound antlers for sure. Um, I really believe that we'll be in that same scenario this year because. They'll have good green up, so they'll be able to get their bodies good and healthy, um, you know, right away. They're they're probably doing fine right now with all the feed that we had last year. So I think we'll have another good year for you know not only good antler growth as far as overall inches, but the consistency of the antlers. Um. Yeah, I just I just expect it to be a really outstanding year for anyone to have a tag and and be able to hunt Arizona this year. I think it'll be exceptional.
0: Um, We're going to dive into a bunch of the units that you guys cover, um, but I want to talk about zero hunt fees and how that applies to people listening. And is there still time uh, with, you know, a little over a week left in the deadline, is there still time to sign up for zero hunt fees and, and your program and how that translates to them moving forward, whether they have points, don't have points, you know, applied before in Arizona, not having applied. Can you kind of give me the rundown?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jay. So, so yes, um, zero hunt fees, I do offer it to re- both residents and non-residents. Um, whether a person is just getting in the game or whether they've applied for years and have bonus points, Um, I do have availability for all those types of people um, and there is sign up until the application deadline of next Tuesday so it's open. Very simply in a nutshell, zero hunt fees is $349 a year. I give them individual help and consultation with their application choices based on their weapon preference, their trophy quality expectations, their physical abilities. Um, you know, what type of bugling they would want to experience if they draw a tag or if they're a late hunter, you know, again, their physical abilities and their shooting abilities. So I base the recommendations off of that individually and um, I help them get through the application period very smoothly and easily. But the best part of that membership is if they draw a tag, their hunt is covered by that membership. So they don't have guide fees. So that, that's a great thing for, you know, either people who want to avoid a lump sum guide fee, you know, feel like it might be hard to get spousal approval um, for a guided hunt, um, you know, or guys who coming up with six to $8,000 would just be a real stretch, you know, $349 a year is um, a very small outlay to, to have that guided hunt covered if you were to draw.
0: Steve, you've been doing this for Uh, many years um but zero hunt fees um it's just getting more and more popular every year and i know you have a great um subscriber base so you offer personal um service with their applications and talk with each hunter and go over their strategy personally and and that's a service that you provide within zero hunt fees
1: yes jay i do um I don't do the applications for them for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think it's nice for them to learn the process and it be a little bit hands-on for them so that they know what they're applying for and why. I'm not just taking their credit card number and applying them blindly for hunts that you know they don't really know about. Um, so they learn the system. You know, Also in today's world with people's credit cards constantly changing and being reissued, um, I just think it's a it's a smoother process if the guys are able to apply for themselves with my guidance and use their most current credit card when they're applying rather than me being chasing them constantly for their updated credit card or did your card get compromised in the past year. I just think the process that I use is very smooth and, and seamless for everyone involved.
0: Makes sense. Um when, when you're looking at the units, um, you know, you've got your 9 and 10s, 8, 9, and 10s, you know, up north. You've got your central units uh, around Flagstaff with the 6s and 5s and 7s. Um, and then you've got, you know, eastern Arizona with the 1 and 27. And then, let's say, you know, west of there with your 3Cs, your 4Bs, and whatnot. Um, last year, in your opinion, where do you think the better quality antler was where was the better bugling Uh, a lot of times those don't align with each other sometimes you'll have great bugling over here but antler growth wasn't good Um, what did you kind of see in those different geographic regions there
1: yeah so I feel like we did really well in northeast Arizona I mean I don't often get to be in 23 north just because of the limited tags but last year I was really blessed to get to be there with, you know, you and I's friend, Chris and Patrick Tanner on the archery hunt, and then carried over on the early rifle hunt with a hunter named Mark. Um, So I had an exceptional fall in 23 North last year, you know, was able to uh, call in and and take a 370 bull with the Tanners, um, just an absolute giant, massive bull. And then on the early rifle hunt, on opening morning, miraculously called in a 409 bull and shot him at 30 yards Um, in thick, kind of rough country, um, you know, somewhere where you wouldn't be able to glass, but just by getting in there and mixing it up with those, both those bulls actually, uh, called them in with the lip ball bugle was pretty phenomenal. Um, Outside of that, um, we had a lot of success in unit one. Um, We had a few archery hunters in there. They took bulls from the 340s to the 350s, um, which are real great bulls for that unit. Um, we also had one archery hunter in 3C. He took a 345 type bull. Um, we did not have anyone in unit nine last year, pretty incredibly, um, but I anticipate being back there this year. Um, I do know some other outfitter friends that took some really nice bulls, um, some bulls that I saw that looked like they would push 400, if not 400. Um, same thing with unit 10, our good buddy Dar and his son had tags. They both took really nice bulls. It looked to me like Dar's bull was probably 370 or, or better. Um, I had a guy, Kyle Roberts, who had that 10 tag. He also took a 370 bull out of unit 10. Um, and then we had some hunters there in the central part of the state uh, in 5B five, five south um, we were able to take take a couple of good bulls there in the 320 range. Those units aren't really known for you know great, great bulls, even though we did see some really nice bulls, but just weren't able to quite close the deal on them. So, uh, you know, across the board and across the state, we had a, 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 an exceptional year. I would say, you know, the best was in 10, uh, unit one and 23 north. And I believe if we would have had, you know, some nine hunters, we would have done exceptional in there as well.
0: You know, I watched both of the videos um, of, of Patrick's hunt, the archery hunt, and then the early rifle hunt, and you and I had kind of exchanged some texts kind of throughout the season and just kind of, as we always do, just keeping in touch, seeing how things were going. It It's, it, you know, it's awesome to be able to catch those um, sequences on video and watch how you, I mean you know, you and I used to be partners in the guide service and, and we've spent a lot of time in the field, but just hearing the interaction, um and, and you know, this is a this is a topic for something in the summer when before season when guys are getting their calls tuned up, but you really have seemed to figure out and found kind of the magic, if you will, on bugling at these polls when, you know, when you and I were Um, guiding together for six or eight years or whatever it was you know we were mostly cow callers and I would say lovers not fighters but it really you've really mastered the ability to bugle at those elk and and say the right thing at the right time Um, and again I think it's a whole another podcast episode where we could spend an hour and dive into it but For those listening, um, give me kind of your mental approach on how you figured out that specific bugle and when you use it. And I, I know you've told me offline, you've told me it's been super effective, but it's taken you, you know, 25 years to kind of finally have that part of it click where you're not calling them in cow calling and you know coming in like you do now you have a whole other element of being able to bugle to them so i'm just kind of curious and again we can hit this in detail again over the summer but um just mind-blowing being able to watch the videos
1: thanks jay i tell you what i still am, am on cloud nine about those two hunts it's just, I, I, I just can't imagine having hunts like that again this year, but I'm I'm hoping for that. Um, yeah, I I would still say overall that I'm I'm a lover and not a fighter. Um, I really feel like that lip ball bugle became a thing for me probably right around 2017 was the was the first year it started being effective for me, and I I think that's because I developed that call enough and practiced it enough. To where, when I blow it, it has it has attitude, if you will. It has angst. It it makes a statement and it means business when I blow it because of of the tone and the volume, and and again just the just the attitude that's put into it. And I think when you have those elements in that call, the, those real big mature bulls, it it just sets them off. Whether they're with cows or Like these two bulls in 23 North, they were just big, mature. I'm going to say they were probably 7 to 10-year-old bulls. They did not have cows in the moment, but just by getting in their zone with them and getting in tight and blowing that call aggressively at them, that lip ball bugle, it. I mean, Jay, it brought them right in. And, And both of them I had tried to cow call to, and they bugled back at it. Um, you know, a couple of times and then they lost interest and actually started moving away. But that, that lip ball <laughs> completely made the difference on both those scenarios.
0: Don't you think in that situation, if they're just hearing cows talking back to them, that they must realize that there's no, there's no hot cow over there or nothing that they should waste their time on, but then you throw in a fairly dominant bugle, an aggressive bugle of basically saying, don't come over here. These cows are mine. It almost just flips the switch and just drives them crazy. Do you, do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I agree with that 100%, Jay. I think it gives them that illusion. They're forming a mental picture of what they think is going on out there when they hear that call. And I think you're spot on that when they hear that mature sounding bugle with attitude it, it's just the it just is the tipping point for them and they can't take it anymore and plus they've probably been called at i would imagine you know they've, they've heard calls they've been they've, they've been approached and called at so they're somewhat leery but i think this sound is just it's different and it it, it sets you apart as a hunter out there um, if you blow it in the proper manner
0: and I think that you hit the nail on the head. I mean, a lot of guys can't make that sound. And so um, I, I think that's what sets you apart. You know, I, I've said it over and over on my Instagram account. I've said it on my podcast. I've been with you in the field. I, I've i been with a lot of greats as well, um, but I put you at the top of the list of, of elk callers, and it's always great to um, see you be able to work your magic. Um, I want to hit on the full moon is September 18th um, this coming September and the archery hunts start on the 13th so that moon will fall right in the middle of the hunt for the archery hunt Um, and then it the first quarter will be uh, obviously on the 24th or excuse me the last quarter will be on the 24th of September how in your mind do you feel having that bright moon kind of right during the archery hunt with the dates starting the 13th? How will that affect the archery hunt?
1: Yes, that's a great point, Jay. I do feel like it will have an impact, and it, you know, it's not ideal for sure. It wouldn't wouldn't be what I would hope for. Um, I, I I think though with the normal to good moisture that we are anticipating to have. For me, that's going to kind of outweigh the moon. This would still be the kind of year that I would want to apply. And I'm I'm hoping to burn my points this year and just deal with the moon. I think a guy would want to definitely plan to have the entire hunt. And, and if not, I would want to be sure that I had the latter part of the hunt if I had to pick days. Um, because I feel like always, no matter what the moon phase, the rut always gets better from like the 18th to the end of the month. So. You know, if you had yeah, that eighteenth to to twenty sixth window as an archery hunter, that that's when I would absolutely want to be out there for sure. I, sometimes I think those last three or four days are, are where it's really at.
0: You know when it gets close to the season and we get excited and fired up, a lot of times when you have these hunt dates that say, start, you know, I think the early spectrum or the earliest part is I think on the 9th and then 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, it keeps working back. You know, on on good moisture years, on years where we've had good winter moisture and we have good summer monsoons, we always get fired up and, you know, think they're going to be going early and they are in some units, but it always seems like um, kind of that first, you know, one or two days they get hit hard and then they kind of shut down and I mean, yes. historically that, you know, 17th, 18th, 19th, year in and year out is really when they they really get going. Uh, you know, we've talked about before that these bulls, um, you know, early season that, yes, in the right situation, you can get a bull, you know, that's not with cows and, and, and have a great hunt. But I think you make a great point there that anybody that's applying – you know this is a two week hunt and take the two weeks um don't pigeonhole yourself into a situation where you know you you go hard the first week and then you don't have any more time um if you were going to yes. pick one or the other i would probably pick the last week um if you only had to pick one or the other out of a two week hunt um without a doubt we've got yep. early rifle hunts um this year and I'm curious, those start on September 27th. Um, where are some of the shining stars with the with the early rifle or muscle loader seasons?
1: Yeah, Jay, looking at the regs, I really like, of course, uh, the hunts in uh, nine and 10. Um, you know, I like, I like the 5B hunt. I think that'll be a, a really good hunt. Um, of course, the 23 North hunt after being there last year. Um, I think the 27 hunt could also be good for the right kind of person. That's that's a real physical unit, so it takes someone who's a good, strong hiker and you know is not afraid of higher higher elevations and you know a, a lot of strong hiking. Um, unit one and nine are on a rotation with rifle and muzzleloader. So this year, unit one is on the muzzleloader. Uh, I really really like that hunt. I think that's going to be a great one. Um, I also see. I believe that six six A yeah. six A and six B both have early hunts. Um, I don't feel like those are real like shining stars, but um, I think they could get a little bit overlooked. So maybe someone who's not you know looking for that just top tier epic unit, those might be a tiny bit of a sleeper. Not necessarily because of the low tag numbers, but I think, I think units like 9, 10, 1, 23 North, those will attract more applicants and maybe some of the others, not so much. Um, but yeah, I also like the season dates, the 27th of September through October 3rd. I think that'll be exceptional, especially with the moon phases we talked about going to dark for that hunt should, should be excellent.
0: Steve, um, I know you've spent quite a bit of time in the sevens, both seven west and seven east. And, you know, I I, I think they've seen some decline with a bunch of those peak hunts and, and whatnot. I'm just curious your thoughts on the sevens, uh, east and west in general.
1: Yeah, you're right, Jay. Seven east was the last archery tag that I had. And I was able to take a really nice bull. Long story on that one. But anyway... Um, you are right. It, it has declined. Um, I, I feel like it's still, you know, not a great unit for people with any sort of high expectations. You know, maybe somebody wanting and satisfied with a 300 to 320 bull, um, they could do okay on 7 East as long as they know going in that it can have really spotty, inconsistent bugling in addition to the, you know, tough trophy quality in the unit right now. Um, seven West, I had that tag in 2007. Those, those were both second choices for me, by the way, um, not first choices. Um, that hunt was pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I would rank Seven West. It's, it's kind of a mid-tier unit. Would make a good second choice for someone, you know, who's looking maybe 320 to 340 with the occasional better bull um seven seven west has a lot of uh you know easy to moderate country out on the north third of the unit and then some more physical stuff in the central and southern part of the unit um so yeah i mean i think those definitely need need to be on the radar for people who don't you know have ultra high expectations um and they make great second choices i feel like
0: steve i know we've talked about this a bunch um Tell the listeners why it's important to be very careful with your second choice. Um, I know a few years ago you put out, I believe it was a DVD. I don't know if it's on your YouTube channel, but you you did a real in-depth um, study on applications and you know kind of what makes the applications tick, if you will. Um, and you you did a whole section on be very careful with you know high points with your second choice. And every year I get people that don't understand how that works. If you could briefly talk about that so people don't make that mistake.
1: Yes, absolutely. The thing to know about the first and second choice is that the draw considers both of those choices in the bonus point pass of the draw which is the first phase of the draw and then also in the random phase of the draw so it's going to consider both your one and two choices in both those passes of the draw so what a person that that gets you know a higher level of points and i'm not going to say that level because it's going to vary depending on what units they're putting in for so so my advice would be to to check out an app like go hunt check out their draw odds you know they're insider draw odds because they're gonna those stats are gonna tell you how many points it takes to draw certain units so what you have to do when you're when you're thinking about your choices is when you when you consider a second choice you have to look and see if you're guaranteed to draw that hunt based on your current level of bonus points and if you are would that hunt satisfy you You know, would you be happy with that? If if it's a unit that's, you know, 300 to 320 bulls, maybe maybe you wouldn't be happy with that. So I know in the past I've kind of made the blanket statement of the best way to apply is to use your first choice to swing for a home run and then use your second choice to apply for a hunt with better draw odds. In other words, a base hit. But again, you have to watch out for that because if you're a person, let's say you're a non-resident, who has let's say you have 23 points and you really want unit 9 archery and you put that as your first choice that that's a great tactic to put that first choice but let's say you put unit one as your second choice you're going to draw that unit one hunt in the bonus point pass of the draw because you don't quite have enough points to draw unit nine but you do have the points to draw unit one so in other words you don't even give yourself any chance to draw unit nine archery your whole application is about unit one because you have the points to guarantee you that tag so you have to ask yourself would unit one satisfy you that's that's why the second choice is so important
0: and in those situations would you recommend if they really just want nine would you go as far as saying just put nine because you will automatically draw unit one as your second choice because what happens is they hit the credit cards and then they call me and they say, or send me a message and they say, I had 23 points. I put in for nine and I put in for one, but I don't know which one I drew, but, but I, 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 I'm pretty sure I drew nine. And I said, well, how, how do you think that? And they said, well, because, you know, that was one blah, blah, blah. I thought I would, you know, I wanted to get that one. I would go, yes, but you're a lock for unit one. You're a guaranteed. So you, the draw didn't even look at your unit nine first choice and literally it's like a balloon deflation you hear them just go what yeah and and i'm like yes you guarantee it didn't even look at nine it automatically puts you in and you you drew unit one because of default and and people just don't understand that would you in that situation tell someone just do one choice
1: Yes, if they're set on a certain unit, I feel like that's what they should do. Absolutely. Unless there's a second unit that they feel they'd be satisfied with, I would just stick with that one unit as first choice. And I've even seen on the hunt selection screen on the application, when you're online, you know, applying for the draw, it says on there, and to me erroneously, (laughs) that you can put the same hunt as all five choices. Yes, you can do that. But really in reality, you're wasting your other choices if you list the same hunt five times. Because if the draw considers your first choice and there are no tags left for that hunt, and you put it as your second, third, fourth, fifth choices, it still remains the same. There's no tags for that hunt. So if you put it five times, you're wasting all those other choices. Now we've talked about this before, Jay, the draw if you're applying for bull elk tags during the rut It all comes down to your first and second choices. It's all about those two choices. You wouldn't draw a third, fourth, or fifth choice for a rut archery or a rut rifle hunt or even a late season rifle hunt. I think there's the potential that you could draw, you know, one of the lower tier units for a late archery bull hunt in November um, as a third choice. But again, you got to really consider is that a hunt that you would want to do um, if you, if you were to list that as a second or third choice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about the late seasons, um, late rifle. Uh, what are your couple of your top favorite units there for late rifle hunts?
1: Yeah, I would say by and large, um, 23, of course, is, is in my opinion, the top late hunt in the state. Um, 27 is in there as well. I don't think it quite holds a candle to 23. Um, I did notice that for 27 this year that they split it. They basically split the tags in half, and they have a hunt that runs November 29th through December 5th, and then they have a second hunt that runs the 6th of December through the 12th. Now, I feel like of those two hunts, that first hunt would be much better. I feel like the elk will be boogered and pushed back and spooked from that first rifle hunt so there's kind of good and bad to that i feel like if you drew that first season hunt with fewer tags it would be an could be an exceptional late hunt um we also like unit one um i wouldn't say that's a unit where a guy can expect a big big bull but you know mostly 300 to 320 um we also had a couple of hunters in nine last year, we did, did, did well on that hunt, despite it being a very challenging unit because of the flat, mostly thick topography. Um, you know, some other units that aren't, aren't top shelf in my opinion, but that do lend themselves to late hunting because of topography would be unit eight uh, and unit six A. Uh, as well as unit 10. Those are units where, you know, again, if someone doesn't have super high expectations, um, those would make a good second choice. So again, if you're applying for late rifle hunts, um, you you can do one of two things. You could either use your first choice to apply for an early season rut hunt and then pick a late hunt as your second choice. That would be a good strategy if you're okay with late season, or you could apply for two late hunts, you know, like unit 23 is your first choice and then another unit as your second choice based on your expectations, whether that would be 27 or eight or another unit. And and I should also mention, Jay, I talked earlier about, you know, points and it taking, you know, so many points to draw unit nine that for non-residents, half of the tags in the draw are random. So don't be deflated if you don't have a bunch of bonus points because half of those tags are random. You know, like Unit 1 Archery, for instance, has 250 total tags. 25 of those can go to non-residents. And of those 25, the first 12 will go to the highest bonus point holders. But the remaining 13 will be random and can go to anyone regardless of point total. So that's that's important for people to know.
0: And that was a change a few years ago because yes. people were complaining that it was... Basically turning into just a preference point game, kind of like Colorado, where they didn't even have an yes. option or a choice. Um, and, yes. and it's brought and people back into the draw. Um, yes. Where I think they were probably losing people that just knew that it wasn't even a choice. If they if they didn't have enough points, they just didn't apply at all. And so I think the Game and Fish made a decision probably because they knew they were losing people not even applying um yes steve i want to finish here with um elk camp tv um find out when when we can see the new episodes and uh, man you're what are you in the fifth season now
1: yeah going into season seven if you can season imagine.
0: seven so, unbelievable good for yeah. you uh season seven yeah. um when is it going to air
1: yeah so it will it airs monday nights at 8 p.m mountain time um, it airs on Sportsman Channel, and again, Season 7 will start airing there um, on the last Monday of June, and it will air all the way through December. Um, season 6 just ended, and it's currently airing in Canada in Quarters 1 and 2, so if you have any Canadian listeners, they can, they can pick it up there for Quarters 1 and 2. Um, really excited about Season 7. I've started on some of the episodes, namely Patrick Tanner's Archery Hunt. And I'm so excited as I edit that one to, you know, uh, get these out and have them, have them ready for season seven. So we're really excited about that.
0: Fantastic. Um, will you be attending the Western Hunt Expo or any of the shows, um, coming up this show season or are you busy with other things?
1: Yes, Jay, I do plan to attend that show, the Western Hunt Expo in Salt Lake. I Ho- hope to see you there and, um, I'll be around there, maybe spending some time at the Bergara booth and then probably also at Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls booth. We do have two new mouth reeds coming out for this year that I'm real excited about, um, a, a bugling reed and a good cow calling reed. Um, the bugling reed's going to be called El Grande, the big one <laughs> is what it means. Uh-huh. And then the cow calling reed is going to be called The Boss. I'm I'm really excited about those, so. Um, hope your listeners are able to check those out when they come out, probably this spring.
0: Now, I have a little bit of inside information. You had sent me a couple of prototypes. I'm not sure if it was the boss. Um, but I, I, was messing around with some of them and getting some good sounds. Are those prototypes, um, similar to the boss or has it changed?
1: Yes, Jay similar to the to, to the boss that, that you had those prototypes of so absolutely
0: that's that's really cool to hear um how are your sounds how, how are you liking it
1: i i'm absolutely loving these calls i'm going to be honest with you that el grande was the very call that i called patrick's bull in with and mark's bull on the early rifle hunt So it tripped the trigger of both of those giant bulls. And I I just think the tonal quality is spot on to be able to make that aggressive bugle with attitude, that lip ball bugle with that call. And then the boss just has that nice, easy to blow, just sweet three-dimensional cow tone to it.
0: Awesome. So those will be what, ready this spring?
1: yes they should be available this spring i'm not sure if they're going to be offered in a tandem pack i think that they will be um but but yes they should see them available this spring and um, potentially i think they'll be at the western hunt expo actually
0: awesome cool well i plan to be up there for a few days so i'll i'll see you um, i'm sure up there and um, steve it's always great um, getting to chat with you I appreciate you taking the time. Um want to give you a chance to let people know exactly how they can reach out to you and I will link it up in the show notes as well. So um God bless and go ahead and and let the people know the best way to follow, best way to um, reach out.
1: Yes, thanks Jay. It's been great to be on with you again today as always. So the best way to reach out to me, they can go on to my website elcampguideservice.com. Um That's basically our guide service website. There's a contact form on there. They can reach out through that, or my phone number is at the bottom of every page. They can feel free to call or text me uh, via that phone number. Um, If they're interested in finding out more about Zero Hunt Fees, they can log on to zerohuntfees.com, and that will take them specifically uh, to those pages where they can learn more about that program, and they can also reach out to us about, about that. Um, of course, they can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Elk Camp TV and that's basically it I believe Jay, thank you again so much and uh, God's blessings to you as well.
0: Right on buddy. Um, we'll talk to you later tell tell the family hello and we'll see you in a couple weeks okay
1: Absolutely Jay look forward to seeing you at Western hunt. Thank you again. take care. yep, bye bye.